Picks and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is late Thursday night, early into Friday morning, as I record this one after an excellent, excellent Nuggets win. Final score, 101-94. Denver kept the Los Angeles Clippers at arm's length during this one. Did a really, really nice job early and then maintained their lead throughout the entire game. Didn't they had a little bit of a give up here or there, but this team, they just look completely different. This team looks just completely locked in. Everybody's on the same page. This starting lineup is incredible. All starters finished in double figures tonight. Nikola Jokic struggled a little bit, but Jamal Murray picked up the slack late, had some really, really big shots. Uh, Jokic also had some good passes late that really helped seal the deal. It was a great win for Denver against a team in the the LA Clippers who played both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Paul George was coming off of an injury, so it, it don't take this game like fully 100%. This is what would happen in the playoffs because I think Paul George would be better. And they didn't have Patrick Beverly either, so or Serge Ibaka. So de- uh, the, the Clippers were still missing a lot of folks. Don't get me wrong. But the Nuggets were missing Monte Morris. I'm not sure how much the Clippers missing additions would have really impacted things. Uh, but we'll see. Like we, we can only take what's in front of us. And it looked like the Nuggets were the better team out there, which is really, really impressive. They fought for this one, fought really hard, ended up with the W. It was a great thing to see them play the way that they did. And it started on the defensive end. I'm going to talk about that in the first segment. I'm going to talk about the offense from the starters and some some spotty play from the bench unit in, in the second segment. And then we will talk big picture because this team should have really big plans uh, going forward into June and July. I'm going to talk about that in the third segment. But first, let's talk about the defense because I thought it really, really stood out. Again, 94 points allowed tonight. The pace of this game was really slow, so the offense or the defense wasn't that great. Or like it, it was really good, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like like a 94 points uh given up on 94 possess like on, on 94 points per 100 possessions. Like the pace of the game tonight was very slow. Uh the Nuggets were comfortable at that pace though, and, and they helped slow down that game. One of the reasons for it was because of the switching system and, and Aaron Gordon is kind of the captain of this because of the way he plays, because of the way he makes Kawhi Leonard work. They had to do uh, the the Nuggets switched a lot late in the clock and and early in the clock and then helped and did a lot of great things out there uh, with their length, with their athleticism that really bothered Kawhi Leonard. That really bothered Paul George and, and a lot of the other Clippers as well. It was a great performance defensively and Will Barton said in the post game that he thought that the matchups made a lot of sense. He said, direct quote, I just think the addition of Aaron put everyone in the place they needed to be. And what he really means by that is Will Barton is a two. Will Barton is a shooting guard. Jamal Murray's a point guard, or at least the size of a point guard, good size for a point guard. Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, they're threes and fours, kind of hybrid. Aaron Gordon guarded the three tonight, Michael Porter guarded the four. And Nicole Jokic is a five. And when you think about the sizes all across the board there, Jamal Murray's 6'4", Will Barton's 6'5". Uh, 
Aaron Gordon is 6'8". Michael Porter is 6'10". Nikola Jokic, 6'11", 7 foot. Those guys are just all in the right spots. You don't have Paul Millsap playing a bunch of minutes when he's 6'7", trying to guard fours, but also switching on to ones, twos, and threes very consistently. You don't have Will Barton, who's 6'5", trying to check Kawhi Leonard the entire night. Tonight, it was Aaron Gordon, and he helped everything sort of fall into place matchup-wise, because Gordon, he's going to guard the opposing team's best player. He's going to guard Aaron Gordon, and he did it really, really well. Uh, Gordon made, made Kawhi Leonard work for his shots tonight. Kawhi went 10 of 22, 2 of 4 from the three-point line. Uh, Gordon blocked his shot a couple times, uh, forced a couple turnovers. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was a minus 14 tonight in his minutes. Minus 14 in 39 minutes. Uh, that meant that the Nuggets were minus 7 in the minutes where Kawhi Leonard sat. That was mostly Paul George minutes. That was mostly with the bench. That was actually entirely with the bench unit. Uh, So that kind of stands out there. But cutting the head off the snake, despite the fact that Kawhi Leonard goes 24 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. He had a good night statistically, don't get me wrong. But there have been so many nights where Denver is just doing everything that they can to try to throw stuff at Kawhi Leonard He shoots over them, it doesn't matter. Makes uh, 10 of 14 shots, 12 of 16 shots, stuff like that. Stupid efficiency. He's been really efficient all year. Forcing him to take some of those tougher shots pretty consistently and then capitalizing it on it by rebounding the basketball well. uh, I thought that that was a really, really big deal. And Denver also was able to stay home on a lot of their other matchups. Reggie Jackson, 3 of 8. 1 of 5 from 3. Paul George, 5 of 15. 2 of 7 from 3. Mark Marcus Morris, 2 of 9. 2 of 6 from 3. Ivisa Zubac only attempted 5 shots tonight. A couple of them were with the bench unit as well. So Denver, they really forced this game into sort of an isolation post-up fest with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George based off of their switching. You had a lot of guys that were capable of switching onto them too. It wasn't just Aaron Gordon. As well as he played, and he did play well, the Nuggets wouldn't be able to run a switching scheme unless they were properly sized everywhere else. Barton, he guards that second toughest guy, unless the player is a forward. That means that Michael Porter would do it in that case. You have Will Barton switching onto him. You have Michael Porter switching onto him. And most importantly, I think think you have Jamal Murray switching onto him where Jamal Murray has taken a lot of pride in his post-up defense. He said in this game, he's, he's repeated it countless occasions, that after that 2019 playoffs where he was attacked relentlessly by Rodney Hood, Mo Harkless, guys of that nature that were bigger than him, he had to work on his post-defense, and he did it so that he's not, I think that's now his best skill. I think it's at least very possible that Jamal Murray's best skill on the defensive end is his post-defense. Which, if I had told you that after the 2019 playoffs, you probably would have laughed at me. I think it's true now. Kawhi Leonard moves him a little bit, doesn't move him a lot. Uh, it's not it's not barbecue chicken by any stretch of the word, and that's Kawhi Leonard. Paul George? <laughs> Paul George committed an offensive foul tonight trying to uh, guard Jamal Murray. 
Was it a little bit of a flop and a little bit of accentuation? Sure. It was still an offensive foul. He can do that against those guys. He could do it against Marcus Morris. I don't think he's going to switch on to LeBron James pretty consistently. And, and and with LeBron kind of the size that he is, he's just a different physical beast than, than Kawhi even. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. But in a matchup against the Clippers, you feel pretty good switching one through four. Partially because of Jamal Murray. Partially because of Will Barton, who I think has taken a lot of steps in the positive direction defensively of late. And then you've got Michael Porter, who this might have been... Michael Porter's best defensive performance of his career. And it came at the exact right time because he needed to be that weak side presence. He needed to be somebody that when he came over to help, the opposing team is scared to shoot. Or at least not, maybe not scared, but at least they have to think about it. They have to at least monitor the situation with him at the rim. He had a really, really impressive contest against Paul George late in this game. Will Barton gets back cut off of a set play. It's a play that's run. uh, uh, A couple of teams run this play. I think the Spurs run this play for DeMar DeRozan, uh, where where they they sort of run Paul George from kind of at at the restricted area. He runs up towards the free throw line, but immediately back cuts it. And there's a guy on the baseline with the ball who can have that window to pass him the ball. Paul George backcuts Will Barton to oblivion, just loses him completely, and then goes up for a dunk. And Michael Porter's right there, right in his face contesting it because he saw the play unfold and he sold out to go for that block. Paul George, I don't know if he was credited with a block on it, but he should have been because he was the reason why Paul George didn't have a free two points. Late in the game, Kawhi Leonard goes right at him in the post, Tries to get by him. Michael Porter's battling his ass off just very consistently. Kawhi Leonard goes up for a shot. Doesn't even come really close. Michael Porter does a great job on the defensive end against Paul George and against Kawhi Leonard. Early in this game, when, when Michael Porter was rotating out onto Paul George, used his length to have Paul George shoot over the top of him. George missed a lot of threes because he was bothered by Michael Porter's length. There's just a lot to like about what Porter's been doing lately. He didn't rebound that well tonight, but he didn't have to because he had a couple blocks, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, two blocks tonight, and was just everywhere on the on a defensive side of the ball. Had a couple mishaps here or there, but this is the kind of Michael Porter that you're looking for to add to this roster, to add to this rotation, to help cover up for one of Nikola Jokic's biggest weaknesses. When they play Nikola Jokic up at the level, they need somebody who can guard behind him, who can make sure to erase some of those mistakes. Doesn't have to erase them all, but makes it 5-10% harder for the opposing team and then causes some misses, causes uh, creates some blocks, creates some steals, things like that. That is exactly what Michael Porter did tonight, and I thought he did it extremely well. It was a really great all-around defensive performance from this team. Jokic had a clutch steal as well, uh, or a clutch force turnover. Reggie Jackson had to jump pass and jump around Nikola Jokic's outstretched arms. Then he came down on that same pivot foot, causing a travel. Just really great stuff from Denver all-around defensively tonight. 
And holding a team like the Clippers to 94 points, a team that's flirted with the top efficiency in the uh, the top offensive efficiency in the NBA, that is just really, really impressive. And you can't tell me otherwise in this case because nobody thought that Michael Porter would be a positive contributor defensively this early. Nobody thought that Denver could survive with Murray, Barton, and Porter and Jokic out there. And they've had specific instances with Monte Morris out there, but also with Aaron Gordon out there now. They sort of match up really well with a lot of these teams physically. There's a lot more athleticism. There's a lot more length. And with Gordon out there, it connects and it accentuates everything that they do. So it was great to see tonight. That was the most important performance of tonight's game. When we come back, we are going to talk about the starting unit. But first, as we mentioned before, this podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. You turn $1 into $100. That's 100 to 1 odds. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, like this one, hockey, golf, so much more. I would have bet the Nuggets tonight if I were you, and I think there's a lot of reason to bet the Nuggets going forward, and you can do so with DraftKings. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. When we come back, we're going to talk Nuggets offense. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, thank you for making this podcast part of your day. Nuggets get a win. It's always fun to talk about the Nuggets after a win like this. And I think that this is just another great example of where this team is at and just how great these starters can look offensively. Now let's start with that. We're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about the starters offensively right here. Uh, we're going to talk about the bench after that, and I'll give you some thoughts there. Uh but I think there's just a lot to talk about with this starting group. Let's start with Jokic, who I think struggled tonight from a from a uh, conversion standpoint on the offensive end. I think he uh, I think he's getting really bothered with the lack of foul calls, missing shots that he usually makes, uh, just kind of looks frazzled. Sometimes turning the ball over because there's a little bit of extra pressure. He feels like he should be getting some more foul calls, and obviously I tend to agree with him. 
there was a play tonight uh, for the Aaron Gordon kind of lobbed a pass over the top to Jokic that he caught with one hand and then pushed up into a layup. Paul George tried to contest the shot, crashes into Jokic on top of him, just collapses Jokic to the ground, completely fat, like he jumps on top of the dude, fouls him. Jokic goes to the floor, sprawls out, no foul, just uh, just play on. This was with about two and a half minutes left in the game. And you start to think, okay, if you're not going to give a foul in those situations, then clearly you're not. You're never going to give a foul at all. If Jokic had known that at the beginning of the game, I think he probably would have been better. I think if he knew that he wasn't going to get any calls, he probably would be in a better kind of mental headspace. But when you expect some of those calls and you drive into contact and you just assume, hey, look, I'm going to get hit and it's going to be a foul, then you're probably not going to focus as much on making the shot. And when you don't get that foul call and when somebody turns you over because you're just assuming, hey, this is a blocking foul or he slapped my wrist or whatever, you probably think, okay, this is this is getting ridiculous. So I, I sympathize with Jokic, of course, like, uh, Harrison Wind had a great stat over at DNVR. Uh, this is the fifth time this season that Jokic has shot zero free throws. Joel Embiid has only shot zero free throws just once in his career. Like, There's a lot of data out there that says that Jokic is getting kind of shafted when it comes to the refereeing. So hopefully he can battle through it. Hopefully he, he kind of breaks the schneid a little bit. He, he didn't have a great game last game either, so... But it is what it is, and, and he still managed to dish out seven assists, including several to uh, Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon for dunks and layups. Uh, this is kind of the dynamic of the offense that I remember from 2016-17, where Jokic consistently had tall cutters that he could throw to over the top. It was Will Barton at the two, Gallo at the three, and Wilson Chandler at the four. And those guys remind me a lot. They're less at, those guys are less athletic than the group that Denver has now. But Michael Porter as a Gallo approximate, that feels right. Aaron Gordon is kind of a Wilson Chandler approximate from a size perspective. Yeah, that sounds right. Jokic is throwing these passes to the open window. And those guys, all they have to do is catch the ball, be patient, and wait for the opening to go up for a layup or a dunk. And they usually get it every single time. It's great to see. And and one thing that I noticed tonight from the stat line, zero of those assists from Jokic went to Jamal Murray. And yet Jamal Murray still had 23 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. He only had two assists, Jamal Murray did. He kind of did it in his own way, uh, really kind of the, the tip of the spear in terms of when he was dribbling and when he was attacking people. But he did it his own way, and that allowed Jokic to just continuously work with with uh, Will Barton, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon. And those guys all getting involved off of the cutting from Jokic, all of them getting as involved as Murray is, that's great. Because it provides some variability to Denver's offense that they didn't always have. Think about the offense last year. Think about in the playoffs, the, the lineups that Denver was starting in the playoffs last year, kind of after Gary Harris got back. You had Jamal Murray. You had Nikola Jokic. In between them, you were starting Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, and Paul Millsap. 
the dynamic shift between Harris, Grant, and Millsap to Barton, Porter, and Gordon is just night and day. It is completely different. All three of those guys can handle. All three of those guys can shoot from anywhere, and you feel good about it. All of those guys have their own specific traits. Gordon showed off his passing tonight, which I think is a great thing. All of those guys have just shown so much with this starting unit. And Jokic is benefiting from it. He missed shots tonight that he normally makes. He'll be okay. He's going to make them when he needs to. That is not something that I'm concerned about. I am a little bit concerned about the numbers going down and that kind of diminishing his MVP case. But Denver's going to score and they're going to destroy worlds on both ends of the floor, especially with the starting unit. I feel pretty confident in that. There's no reason to think that they won't. They're just too talented and they fit too damn well. You gotta love it. Will Barton did his thing in the first quarter. He hit some really important shots that got Denver going. Matched up with Reggie Jackson. Took advantage of that matchup a lot. Uh, also did it late in the game. Denver was kind of in a in a weird place late in the game where they didn't know exactly where the offense was going to come from because Murray hadn't taken a couple shots and Jokic was struggling and Porter and Gordon, like you don't want them creating a ton. Will Barton isolates against Reggie Jackson, doing the thing that people don't like to don't like him to do. He spins back baseline and hits a contested layup at the rim that really helped give Denver the momentum it needed to kickstart their their clutch offense. That was really, really big. And I don't think Barton is going to get enough credit for that, but I'm going to give it to him here. He had 19 points, four assists, one turnover, was a plus nine. 19 points on 14 shots. Uh, took the third most shots on the team behind Murray and Jokic, but uh, Aaron Gordon wasn't exactly the most efficient either, uh, but he was still pretty good. And, uh, and Michael Porter, he had Kawhi Leonard on him for a lot of the time. And it, it sort of stood out to me that when Kawhi wasn't guarding Murray, he was guarding Porter. And that, that to me shows a lot of respect that, that they have for what Porter is capable of doing. Speaking of him, 20 points on 11 shots, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Big time stuff from Porter on the offensive end and the defensive end, just making the most of his possessions. Had a couple turnovers, but he doesn't usually. He usually averages less than a turnover a game. So he's going to be in a good position, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, Aaron Gordon also, 14 points on 6 of 13. Like I talked about, he got the assist game going tonight, and I think this was the first time we saw some off-the-dribble stuff from him as a shooter. Wasn't great, didn't work out really well, but in certain situations when the offense gets a little stagnant or, or if, they, if they're in a situation where you've got a matchup advantage, like let's say he's got Reggie Jackson or let's say he's got a big man on him, then I think you feel pretty good about him kind of freestyling just a little bit. Give him a, give him a bone. Let him continue to work for his offense uh, because that will, kind of like a big man, uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, the OKC Thunder would do this when they had Kendrick Perkins uh, playing alongside their big three. They would always run a post-up for Kendrick Perkins at the beginning of the game, see if he could get some two, some free two points. And once he did that, he would be locked in on the defensive end for the rest of the game. And so teams like to do that. They like to throw a bone to a guy who's handling a lot on the defensive end, which is what Gordon is doing, especially when on Kawhi, 
So perfectly fine with him taking a, a, a shot outside the flow of the offense or two. That's that's it is what it is. But he also had five of his or four of his six assists tonight went to Nikola Jokic. And he continues to deliver some of those passes in in such a way that you see the chemistry developing between those two. Uh, Gordon does a good job at six foot eight. He had a lob pass over the top, like I talked about at the beginning of this segment, uh, and that that hit Jokic pretty comfortably. Had a pass, kind of an interior pass, when he grabbed an offensive rebound, hit him, hit Jokic for a pass, uh, delivered a uh, delivered a shot to the post. Just just did a lot of, of good things. And oh well, he also hit a pick and pop three. Jokic did with Gordon operating as the ball handler. That's a great sign. Because if you can run Murray as a ball handler, and Porter as a ball handler, and Barton as a ball handler, and Gordon as a ball handler, the offense is just so variable. You can attack in so many different ways. That's a great sign. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jamal Murray, who, like I, as I said, 23 points on 18 shots. He did a really good job of creating some points with that bench unit tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk about the bench unit next, but... Murray created, I think, nine of his points at least uh, while that bench unit was out there. And that's a really important time for him to kind of uh, kick into action a little bit. He hit two kickout threes uh, that were big from the bench. He also hit a fast break and one layup. That was really impressive. But the most important shots were the ones late. Uh, Actually, he also hit a shot on Kawhi Leonard, isolating at the end of the first half. Or maybe it was the third quarter, one of the two. Uh, but that was really important because uh, he could he took Kawhi Leonard to the rack and and hit a shot over him. That's a that's a big deal. Um, he hit two dagger shots late. One of them was a pick and roll where he had Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. Ivisa Zubac was the big man defender. <coughs> Excuse me, big sneeze. Um, Ivisa Zubac was the big man defender. Nicholas Batum was the, the primary defender against him, which I was surprised about. They didn't put Paul George on him. Maybe that was uh, maybe that was by design. Uh, but he gets Zubac in the pick and roll, uh, hits a step back three against him, does a really good job of using his space, using his body uh, to create an open shot. And it looked great. That's exactly what you want from the late man, the late game Jokic Murray two man game. That's a that's a big time shot. Uh, then he hit a an ISO mid range shot against Marcus Morris down the stretch, in a switch situation. Uh, everybody cleared out for him and he had a mismatch and he took advantage of it. That's what you want to see from him, and I like what I saw for sure. Okay, that's it on the starters. They they had a great game. Uh, hard to really question anything that they did. Like all of them were in between plus four and plus thirteen, and the guy who was plus four was Murray, who spent a lot of his time with the bench. Uh, that's not surprising to me. Uh, but the bench, yeah, they uh, they need some work. Uh, you have eleven combined points between them. Uh, Faku Campazo had three points, five assists, four rebounds, only two turnovers. Like like. There are some positive numbers there, but it really isn't about the numbers with him. It's mostly about the defense. The Clippers in particular were the first team in a while that I thought really took advantage of Faku's size. That was a big problem. Faku got abused by Terrence Mann at the start of Terrence Mann's big timeout. 
three of man's first four buckets were a direct result of Faku being too small to guard him. They were jumpers over the top of him. Uh, one of them was a, a lob pass over the top to him uh, under the rim, basically. And I can't remember what the other one was, but it definitely was like because Faku was short. I went back and watched the clips. Kawhi hit a three-pointer right over the top of him like he didn't even matter. Paul George did the same thing later in the game. Uh, it was just a really, really bad performance from him. And he had a good initial stretch at the beginning of the game. Did some good things offensively, held up defensively, grabbed some rebounds, whatnot. But as the game sort of wore on, the Clippers started attacking him more and more. Kawhi Leonard put him in the pick and roll relentlessly, had Terrence Mann screening for him. Uh, it was either to get the switch with Compazzo onto Kawhi Leonard, or it was to put him in a trail situation trying to guard Terrence Mann. And that was a big, big problem. He couldn't help on drives to the rim in team defense. Uh, and that's that's also a big problem when you're playing a switch system. If the offense were good, with this bench unit, then I wouldn't be making such a stink out of Faku's defense, or his, at least his limitations. But it wasn't. The offense was really bad, and one of the reasons why it wasn't why it was really bad was because of Faku. Yes, he had five assists tonight. Yes, there were a couple of times where he delivered a pass that was important. However, one of the reasons why. Denver's offense is, is having Jamal Murray take late clock shot attempts. Why it's having P.J. Dozier try to isolate or, or create in the pick and roll late in the clock. He's been really inefficient of late P.J. Dozier. I'll talk about him in just a bit. One of the reasons for that is because Faku always walks the ball out. When he doesn't have a lane to the rim, he's always going to pass. And some people are going to say, great, that's fine. But if they can't, if he can't create a shot at the rim for himself, it's going to put Denver in so many situations with the late shot clock, and it's just putting Murray and Dozier in a bad situation for them to have to create shots off the dribble because Faku couldn't really do anything going to the rim. He doesn't take any shots at the rim anymore. He can't make them. He can't make the floater, can't make the shots in between. Uh, that's a big problem. And it doesn't help him that... The Nuggets are running two kind of stretch bigs that are causing defenses to switch. They're not doing a great job uh, from a, a a helpful perspective of giving him a pick-and-roll target. Like, can they run some pick-and-pops with Faku and Jamichael Green? Sure. Faku and Paul Millsap? Sure. But right now, that's kind of the identity of their bench offense, and it's not good. That's something that you want as kind of a secondary action or or a tertiary option. Like, you don't want that to be your first, second, and third option, which is what it is right now. So I hope that Denver finds other solutions. I think that if they add JaVale McGee in place of a Paul Millsap or a Jamichael Green, then Faku looks a little bit better because he's running pick and roll downhill with the floor spaced a little bit better. Teams aren't going to switch the Faku-JaVale pick and roll. They just won't. They can't. Monte Morris is coming back, though, and Monte Morris will probably be back on Sunday. Do the math here. Denver likes to run their nine-man rotation. 
That's been something that I've documented pretty extensively. Denver likes to run the five starters, then they run four bench guys, and they run one starter, most often Murray, sometimes Barton, sometimes Porter. They run that fifth starter with the bench unit. If they do that, Monte Morris is ahead of Faku Campazzo in the rotation. He isn't ahead of P.J. Dozier. Denver would be playing too small at that point. He'd be ahead of Faku. That's going to happen unless Denver changes their rotation. And people aren't going to like it, especially my, my Argentine friends. Uh, it is what it is, though. Denver has so such high expectations for themselves that they... Uh, they need to get better on this bench unit. That is their biggest weakness as a team. And I tend to think that Monte Morris would help things. He won't solve things. There are other things that they'll probably have to do and figure out. But he will help. And it's going to be in place of Faku in all likelihood. I wonder if Denver start or if they go with a bench lineup that includes Jamal Murray with the start from the starters, Monte Morris as the point guard, PJ Dozier at three. Jamichael Green at 4, and JaVale McGee at 5. That would be my guess. That is my guess of what will probably happen with the second unit on Sunday. It's against Orlando. They'll have a good time with it. They'll try new things, and they'll try to figure something out. That is my guess. But we'll see. Uh, Either way, Denver's bench is probably their biggest concern at the moment. So we'll see if they can figure that thing out. When we come back, we're going to go big picture. We're going to talk about how I had a statement on Twitter that the Nuggets can do some big things, and we're going to talk about those things. We'll be right back. final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in if you could please leave a review five stars on on apple Podcasts. that would be so cool uh you guys have been great in helping me jumpstart this thing and we've gone for over a month now and things are going really strong so thank you so much for helping me out thank you so much for for listening what i have to say and caring about it it means a lot all right big picture this is a big picture friday We get to talk about the Nuggets as a playoff contender. We get to talk about where they're going to finish in the playoff standings, or in the the regular season standings, what that means for their playoff hopes. Right now, the Nuggets are tied with the Lakers for the fourth seed in the West at 30-18 and after this win. They're probably going to pass the Lakers pretty soon because the Lakers have their their shorthanded due to those injuries. The Lakers' schedule is pretty tough. The Nuggets schedule is not as tough. Nuggets actually have a pretty a pretty easy schedule over the course of these next couple weeks. So hopefully they can take advantage of it. Uh, but right now the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Blazers, they're all tied with 18 losses. And losses are more important than wins uh, when, when trying to figure out the standings because you can't make up a loss. Once you have a loss, it's done. If every team won out from now on, If they won every single game, then the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, and the Blazers would all finish with 18 losses. 
obviously that's not viable because uh, teams don't do that, but also because they're going to play each other. So when you have games against those teams, you got to circle them. You got to circle those opportunities and say, okay, hey, this could be an opportunity for us to leapfrog in the standings. And it's one of the reasons why Denver needed to win this past game against the Clippers. It was a big game on the road, and they came in and they got it done. It's it's just another thing that gives me confidence with this team that they're on the right track. So let's talk about the standings then. As I mentioned, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Blazers, they all have 18 losses. The Dallas Mavericks has have 21 losses in the seventh seed. They're the outright seventh seed now. They've won their last two games. They're six and four in their last ten. They're pretty good. They're a team that I could see making a run here at some point. We'll see if they actually do, but they're a team that could make a run. And if the Lakers are in free fall, if they continue to fall, then that could be a team that that the Nuggets might have to start worrying about in this playoff picture, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Denver hasn't played Dallas with Aaron Gordon yet, so that would probably drastically change the matchup against Luka Doncic. Uh, but I'm still interested in seeing how Denver handles that, how they make sense of such a matchup like that. Going up the standings instead, the Phoenix Suns have 14 losses, the Utah Jazz have 11. Denver's not catching Utah at this point. To make up seven losses in the span of 25 games, there are 24 games, that's how many they have now, that would be impossible. It would involve the, the Jazz going... Uh, right now they have 25 games left. So if they went 12 and 13, then they would have uh, 24 losses total. The Nuggets are at 18 losses total. It would take a miracle for Denver to uh, to make up that difference, in my opinion. But the two seed, it's not quite out of question. It's not. It's it. It's there's a little bit of an inkling there that Denver could make the two seed. Phoenix, they've been on a roll. They've won their last four. They're 8-2, just like Denver in their last 10. Uh, they are a really good team. But when you look at the strength of schedule, you start looking at some of this and thinking, okay, maybe that changes things up a little bit. Maybe if the Suns fall back a little bit, then this these matchups, they get all jumbled. They get all confusing. You don't know who's going to finish with a higher record than who. The Suns have the fourth hardest schedule in the NBA remaining. They've had a lot of cakewalk games lately. That doesn't mean that they're going to lose the the hard ones, but they might lose them more frequently than they have before. And if that's the case, they might lose a little bit of ground. Let's just go through these these, uh, strength of schedules remaining for these teams. The Suns, as I mentioned, they have the fourth hardest remaining strength of schedule. The Blazers, they have the third hardest remaining strength of schedule. The Lakers, the fifth hardest strength of schedule remaining. The Clippers, they have the fifth easiest strength of schedule remaining. Look out for them to kind of stay where they are. Keep doing all these things. The Nuggets, they have the tenth easiest schedule remaining. So they have some easy games. They've got to take advantage of them. Right now, they're in a, they're in a place where they're locked in. I think that they can continue to take advantage of those matchups, but you have to win the games. You have to do it. So we'll see. And then for fun, the Sun or the Mavs, they are they have the second easiest 
remaining strength of schedule. That's a big deal. If the Blazers or the Clippers or the Lakers or any of those teams fall a little bit, the Mavs could pass them. In which case, I'm not sure whether the Nuggets are super excited about that, whether they're they're happy to see the Mavs as opposed to the Clippers or whatnot. I don't know which of these teams Denver would want in a playoff series. I think I'd probably guess the Blazers, though that's questionable at this point. I think you can make a case for a lot of matchups and that Gordon just sort of changes a lot. As we've seen with this Clippers matchup, I think the Nuggets are more talented than the Clippers. Did they miss Patrick Beverly tonight? Serge Ibaka tonight? Uh, guys like that? Yes, they probably did. But it's not like... Denver missed Monte Morris tonight. Like, how much would Patrick Beverly or Serge Ibaka change the calculus of this matchup? I don't think a lot. I really don't. I think that Jokic probably defends him a little bit better than he did in the first matchup, uh, Serge Ibaka, because he has Aaron Gordon and uh, Will Barton kind of guarding against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and guys like that. Those guys can stay in front of their man. It's a little bit different. Everything's just a little bit different, so possibly a little bit easier with, with Aaron Gordon in tow. So, I think you can make a lot of cases for a lot of different teams. I think if you're Denver, though, the ideal place where you have these standings is you get up to the two seed, and you face whoever's in the seven seed. That way, you're going to have home court advantage, of course, but it's very possible that a, a freak accident could happen with the seventh seed, where if the seventh seed loses to the eighth seed in one game, which is right now San Antonio, then San Antonio would be the seven. They would be the team that would face Denver in the first round. I think Denver would be pretty happy with that. Even if it was Dallas, let's say it was Dallas, then Denver would be facing in the second round if they were lucky enough to beat the Dallas Mavericks in the first, they would be facing a team like the Phoenix Suns or the LA Clippers. They've shown that they could beat both teams. The Suns, they didn't even have a great matchup for them in the first few games, and they still found a way. Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Will Barton, P.J. Dozier, guys like that in the backcourt. You had Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter in the frontcourt along with Nikola Jokic. I think you're feeling pretty good about that matchup against the Suns if you're Denver. Can the Suns stop the Nuggets? No way. There's no way in hell that they can. At least not in my opinion. You get that. You get to the two seed. And you face who's ever in the seventh seed. You face whoever the winner between the three and the six seed is. And then you win that. You get Utah in the conference finals unless they lose in that second round to a team like the Lakers, which is very possible. But that means that you possibly lose, you possibly get away from the Lakers and Clippers matchups until the conference finals anyway, which I think Denver would be okay with, despite the fact that they match up well with the Clippers now. They're probably not super thrilled about having to face those teams, despite the fact that they have Aaron Gordon. They have a better chance now, of course. But the Clippers are a talented team, and they will make Denver work for it. The Lakers, of course, are a different beast entirely. They will make Denver work for it. 
they'd have the best chance of anybody to beat Denver in a series. But I think my point here with this is that this is the best I've ever felt about Denver as a legitimate championship contender. They're a team now that if you face them in the playoffs with the starting lineup that they have, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, you are terrified of that group. You have no idea how to stop that group offensively. And they've started to figure things out defensively too by just switching, by being active, by being engaged, being strong. They are strong and athletic and physical now in a way that they weren't before. Aaron Gordon gives them that dimension. And it didn't exist even when Jeremy Grant was here. He wasn't a physical dude. Aaron Gordon is a physical dude. He will make people work, and he has. It's a great sign for Denver's future. It's a great sign for where they are. I think that the Nuggets could win a title. I've said it a couple times now. I said it tonight on Twitter. I believe it. I wouldn't say something like that unless I thought it were true. Would I bet Denver to win the title over everybody else? No, I would take the field because that's what a smart person would do. But this is the best chance that the Nuggets have had in their franchise history to win an NBA title, in my opinion. They have the mix. They have the talent. They have the players. They have the MVP. He can be the best player in a series against LeBron James. That is my take. I don't think it's that wild anymore. We'll just have to see if Andre Drummond can stop LeBron, or if he can stop Nikola Jokic. That'll be a that'll be interesting to see. What are they going to do? Throw Marcus All at him? Throw Montrez Harrell at him? In the loss that Denver had to the Lakers this time, they were starting Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap at small forward and power forward. Denver's not going to have to manage that end again. They're not going to have to do that. Now they've got spacing, athleticism, shooting, just overall dynamic ability that they can surround Nikola Jokic with the best athletes that they possibly can that have made such a difference for this team. This is the best version of Nikola Jokic Nuggets basketball that we've ever seen. And folks, it's only going to get better from here. Can't believe I'm on the ride with all of you. That's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, hosted by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. What a win. What a time to be a Nuggets fan. Be happy. Be healthy. Everyone stay safe. Have a good weekend. I will talk to you guys probably tomorrow.